0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul, and joining me today, this man needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him a few seconds to do it anyway. Oh, why, thank you. Hey, everybody, it's Jake. Mr. Lostpedia, back at it again. Mm-hmm. We are here for an episode that, strangely enough, concerns your favorite character on the show, but when I said, hey, would you want to do this one, I believe the response was, I don't really like that episode, Paul. <laughs> I it's more the flashbacks, even though they do tie in
1: semi well with the episode and the theme that it goes with. Um, I think it's the weakest of the Lock episodes. Though when I was watching it today, um, I got I felt like the episode went really fast. Like I I got through it and I said, "Oh, that's that's it." Like that did that take ten minutes or what? But um, I I don't think it's the most important episode. Um I, I do like it, but it's the again, the weakest of the lock episodes and, and uh the flashbacks. Eh.
0: It's very strange because like this is the thing that I I mean I've been commenting on a few like several episodes now for anybody who's been listening regularly. Is, and I think I brought it up like with you and Lisa when we were doing uh, the penultimate episode of season two. And I said how, like, certain characters, like Charlie, like they never necessarily moved him past the drug thing. Or when they did, it got to the point where we didn't care so much about him. And it seems like certain characters are almost one note. And this episode is almost the perfect example of that backfiring because we finally move Locke's flashbacks away. I think this is one of the first episodes other than Walkabout where his flashbacks don't center around his father, I believe. And it's not that great of an episode and so it almost backfires on my whole opinion of oh they didn't let these characters grow they were all one note like son and Jin it's always about her father jack it's always about his dad or his divorce Locke it's always about his father sawyer it's all you know what i mean like all these things and now they finally give us and like i believe you mentioned it and a few other people have mentioned it as well one of the main times we get a flashback with jack where he doesn't have something to do with his father and it's Considered arguably the worst episode of the series, so it almost backfires on my whole theory.
1: It, it, it's weird because your theory almost should seem correct—that like the viewers should be sick of the one note, should be sick of the uh, son's father, should be sick of the drugs or whatever like that. So like the the viewers should be like, "Yes, we want something else," and then we got the something else, and it sucked. And I don't know if it's just. <sighs> I think maybe even the producers noticed that, too, because uh, starting in season four, uh, you know, you start getting flash-forwards or different characters that we haven't met yet. You know, we start getting some different... uh, Uh, Not just your standard typical flashbacks that we're very used to. So I think they start to realize too that they're kind of running out of material. (laughs) And uh... I think with
0: that, it was also a matter of it's more like, especially by that point, it was more streamlined because this, at this point in the show, and and again, this is something that's been mentioned a few times uh, on this podcast and just in general about Lost, was kind of towards the end of season two into the, like the first half of season three was where they were in that the, you know, Damon and Carlton were kind of in that headspace of we're just kind of floating here. We're not moving, you know, we're, we're not moving forward at all. We're just almost at a standstill, Despite the fact that the show kept going because they kept saying to ABC, hey, we need to figure out the, you know, we need to get to the next phase of this. And that was they needed to know their ending. So like even second half of season three and season four, seasons four, five and six were more streamlined because they knew where they were going versus now where they're just kind of just lingering here in this space of we kind of need to just fill episodes. We need to fill time until we get to the next thing.
1: Sure, absolutely,
0: and it just it's it's such a s and it's such a sad thing that it ended up like this because I think if they had done more than the one note, it could have been something great, but it was just. I don't know, it just seems that every time they do. It's a weird thing. Fans of of any any show or any music, or I mean it happens like m- with musicians all the time. Musicians want to move forward and then people are like, "Oh, I miss the old stuff you used to do." And then if they go back to the old stuff, it's like, "Oh, well, I've heard this already."
1: Well, yeah, that's it's it's super interesting actually um Uh, Somebody we we both like as a musician, Eminem. I just read an interview he did where he said the exact same thing you did, where he's like, Yeah, like I wanted to try something different. People say go back to the old stuff, but you know, old Eminem was also slightly immature, so he'll try to do that. He'll make a song where he makes a fart joke or whatever like that, and then they're like, Dude, you're 40, like get over it. So he's stuck in this, Well, what the heck do I do?
0: Yeah it's it's a weird thing and like I see that with like YouTubers all the time where people will say oh I miss the old version of you well it's like okay that version was like five years ago like you said with Eminem where that was I mean his daughter is out of high school now so that's almost 20 years ago that like he started and he, like mainstream started and he was like making fart jokes and, and things like you know references like that and it's just a weird place to be in as like an entertainer I would think Definitely, um, but after all of that, the disc- the episode because we didn't even name the episode yet. The episode <laughs> we will be discussing is further instructions. I always refer to it as the Lock Vision Quest episode. Yes, um, and I have to say, like that, it's it's weird because like the flashbacks are are the story that I'm not necessarily so big on, but I love. The like the little vision quest thing. Basically, everything after that not nah, so great. The Hurley stuff I think is really funny because I always think he's really funny. But if I could just have like the vision quest part, like everything leading up to that, and then maybe like the Hurley Desmond stuff, I'd be like, okay, this is good enough. Like because that's all I really care <laughs> about when watching this episode anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've always uh, uh, liked the the vision quest, and I, I took some. Decent notes on it, and uh, uh, yeah, again that that stuff. The Hurley Desmond scenes are pretty cool. I will admit, I I gave Charlie some hate before, and I still will, but he gets a couple good one liners in this. The typical Charlie one liners uh, that I like. But yeah, other than that,
0: eh, you know. yeah. But. That, that shouldn't say to the viewers or to the listeners that this is going to be a bad episode because I think Jake and I always bring it and we will bring the same quality programming that you are used to. Whether you think that's good or bad, it's going to be the same quality. <laughs> oh, abs- oh abs- yeah, absolutely. We're going to stay consistently consistent,
1: wherever that is. If it's consistently good, consistently bad, I don't know. But we're going to be right there on that line. So uh, either now they know they can just stop listening now or the, continue on, your choice is theirs, but uh, yeah, no, I think, I think they got some good notes for this, uh, Lost PD's got some pretty good trivia as,
0: as well that I liked. All right, uh, so I guess we should just get right into it then. <clears throat> sure, I'm ready when you are. Okay, I have, uh, we open on Locke's eye, he's lying on the ground in the jungle, Hearing a noise, he turns and sees Desmond running by, but can't call out to him despite his efforts. And this
1: scene here, very reminiscent to the pilot. I mean, even the way Locke's laying down, Uh, you know, of course, the eye opening, uh, the something running past, he just looks, sees it. Now, Jack didn't try to call out to the dog, but, you know, Locke did try to call out to Desmond, he just couldn't.
0: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Jack was, like, too... Um, in shock. Shock. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Versus Locke, who I think was in shock, but as opposed to his natural reaction was to try to say something, especially because he knew the person as opposed to Jack was just like, was that a dog? Am I in a jungle? Yeah. Like...
1: <laughs> yeah yes, exactly. Locke in shock, but not uh, as in shock as Jack was. That's
0: what they should have called this one. Locke in Lock in shock. Locke in shock. He stands and Echo's stick falls on him. And uh, we actually get a we get a shot of uh, the line that comes up in a few episode an episode or two from now where he sees what what leads him on yet another quest. Uh, the the biblical. Lift verse. up your eyes and look north. Yep. Um, a little later at the beach, Locke is pulling apart his own tent. Charlie and Claire are looking on. Claire asks all the obvious questions. When did John get back? What's he doing? Where's he been? Where's everyone else? And she re- uh, rhetorically asks if Charlie uh, should go ask him all of these things.
1: Yeah, and I found it interesting, uh, a couple things. Uh, so Locke just starts, you know, he walks back into camp and starts just jumping into work. And I, I've always, I like Locke when he's in full faith mode. And like, uh, and it seemed to me like he just walked back into camp, kind of renewed. Like he's like, I gotta talk to the island. I gotta figure this out. And like, just episodes previous, you know, at the end of season two and stuff, he had lost that faith and didn't and believed everything was a joke and his life was a joke. But here he was, he's awake now, and he's just like, I'm ready to communicate back with the island. And I'm like, yes, Locke. You know, just that's what I like. His his kind of control. You know, obviously he doesn't know what's going on, why he's mute or anything like that. But he's just like, let's talk to the island. Island, figure it out. Let's get um, some answers. Let's get some answers. Yeah, let's let's just try to do something, you know, and I, I like that lock. Um I also found it a little odd, and, and Charlie will reference it a little later on, but he hates lock right now. You yes. know, like why why I'm I'm surprised that Charlie actually decides to go up to lock and ask questions and as we see uh help him out with some of the things too. I'm
0: I think yeah. it's it's Claire.
1: You think he did it for Claire? Of course. Sure. That explains why he may have asked uh, some of the questions, like, where were you or where's everybody at? But um, as we're going to see, he decides to help with the sweat lodge, even go on the echo journey and stuff, too. Like, Locke just straight up says, like, the polar bear's involved, and Charlie's like, eh, eff it, let's do it. You know, like, I'm surprised. I, 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 think, he... I mean,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I could still use the Claire excuse because— she asked all these questions. And this is like that thing where when you're watching like a show with somebody and you're watching it for the first time and they're watching it for the first time and they go, Well what 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 is the answer to this? And you're just looking like, I'm watching the same thing you're watching. Like I don't <laughs> right. know any more than you do.
1: <laughs> and right.
0: so like he could have easily done that to her, but I think he just he I mean, I don't know the complete answer, but I would take it as he maybe wanted to have the full answer, like the full amount of answers for her, the full story to give her the breakdown. Or it could have just been, and again, this is all purely speculation on my part, it could have just been he, Locke was just so convincing. Or maybe he just wanted to, he thought Locke was a fool and wanted to be there when he looked like a fool. Because that's always all possible, possible too. Yeah.
1: I also think there might have been a natural curiosity in there as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially because like Charlie has always been like a follower, yes. especially of Locke, oh, yes. almost like Boone was, you know, and even though he's mad at him, he may, it may still be the thing of like Locke, you know, like he said in one of the early episodes, like, you know, if there's one person I would put my, my faith in, it would be Locke. And it might be to the point where I hate this guy, but he damn does he still have those leadership qualities, you know, very possible. Yes. Um, so we see Locke bringing the bits of the shelter to Echo's church as Charlie approaches him and Charlie once again uses his, you don't call, you don't write a uh, line that I love. I always like to use that line as often as I can. Um, but he mentions, and he also mentions that it's been a day since the massive hatch detonation. So it's been, this is episode three of season two, but it's been one day since or would it, it would be i guess two days or whatever because he was gone a whole day so yeah it takes like... a very
1: similar approach to the beginning of season two where we see uh not exactly the same event from different uh aspects but we're seeing the same day from different aspects where it's like oh this is what happened with jack kate and sawyer you know that that first day or whatever this is uh so uh son Saeed Jin we just saw that last episode this is what they did on that day and now we're seeing all right this is locked now and so we're seeing the same day and finally catching up on these different groups that were split at the end of season two and filling in the gaps
0: and that's one of my favorite my favorite things about the endings of seasons and beginning of seasons I've spoken on that in I I believe the previous two episodes Mm -hmm. um Locke, of course, doesn't answer him, but he clearly wants to communicate, gesturing towards his throat. Charlie and Locke then play charades as Locke tries to communicate with Charlie that he needs to speak to the island after Charlie gets some great jokes in, such as trees being great conversationalists and, and you he... get that right? you what? get
1: that that is a Lord of the Rings reference because uh in Lord of the Rings uh the character charlie plays i'm blanking on the name right now um talks to these big giant trees
0: sure oh you
1: never 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 seen it
0: i've i pushed my way through the very first one only because every other time and i'm sorry internet you're going to hate me every time i fall asleep during that movie <laughs> and so someone bet me that i couldn't make it through so i forced myself to stay awake but i was not paying attention at all Cause it's just oh, it's gotcha. three movies about walking. I'm sorry, it is. It's just three <laughs> movies where they're just walking all the time. I mean, one of the story. I'm
1: not gonna. I'm not defending it either. One of the stories is about walking. You know, there's also some action wars and stuff like that. But anyways, it's. I know it's definitely in the third one. I don't know if they meet in the second, but definitely in the third one, uh, the character Charlie plays. Charlie's in that movie. Uh, they meet up with some giant. Trees and even the yeah. trees
0: walk, from what I understand.
1: But the trees walk, the trees walk, and they talk too. So, that is a kind of a a, a shout out to his, you know, oh, trees are great conversationalists, yeah, because you know, you've talked to them. <laughs> okay,
0: there you go. See, dropping knowledge on me. Boom. Um, and he even asks where uh, Echo and Desmond are, and he finally guesses Locke's need to communicate with the island, and when he does. Uh, I believe there was like a strange musical cue uh, Mm. as Locke points excitedly at Charlie, indicating that he got it a bit later. Locke has a pen and pad of paper and approaches Charlie. He writes that he needs Charlie's help and needs Charlie to stand guard. Charlie begins making fun of him that talking to the Island is going to be dangerous. He then reminds John, as you mentioned that he detests Locke and reminds Locke of when Locke repeatedly beat him and accused him of doing heroin when he wasn't. And Locke just says to basically meet him at the sweat lodge.
1: Yeah, never, never apologizes for any of that. I mean... <laughs> Nothing to really apologize for. I mean, Locke was probably doing what he thought was right, but I just find it funny that like Charlie straight up confronts him, and then Locke's just like, nah, no, let's keep going on with what I got.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then, of course, because we have to be reminded once again that Charlie is British... So he says the word sodding when questioning what the sodding hell is a sweat lodge. <laughs> um, in flashback, we see Locke driving down a back road somewhere, and he stops and picks up a hitchhiker. Locke asks the young man where he's headed, and the man, Eddie, responds, Eureka. And John says he could take him as far as Bridgeville, which, while watching this, I looked up and is only an hour away from Eureka. So... that's why he was like okay like you know um eddie gets in and they exchange pleasantries including names they talk about the rain uh and why eddie is heading to eureka he mentions not knowing what he wants to do i believe he says something about timber work or lumber work or something like Mm -hmm. that um and how he basically had to get out of his his own home talking about the tough time with his parents mom's dead dad's drunk um and Locke then mentions that the rain is passing and then a cop siren goes off as they pull over. The officer tells him that he has a tail light out, uh, asks them to step out of the vehicle, and asks what's in the bed of the truck. Guns and groceries. <laughs> Which also could have oh. been the name of this episode, I think.
1: Yes, that would have been another good one, too. Yeah, Locke being very honest, guns and groceries.
0: Um. The officer looks and sees a few rifles and handguns in the back, and Locke is quick to point out that all of the proper paperwork is right next to everything before asking if they're free to go. The officer gets cocky and responds that he can take him in for pitch- picking up a hitchhiker. I wasn't aware that that, I mean, maybe it's a California thing, but I wasn't aware that that's illegal.
1: That's what I thought, too, and like I said, I'm wondering if it is California law, or I, you know, I mean, I've never picked up a hitchhiker. I've never thought about it. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know, or I don't really know people that do, so I don't know if it's illegal, at least here in Michigan or or what, but uh, I'll have to look that up.
0: Let us know, everybody who's listening. Tweet us or comment on iTunes or something. Let us know if you know whether it's a United States thing or state by state, and if it is, what is the law in your state? Um... Eddie quickly chimes in, lying that Locke is his uncle, whom he called to pick him up. The officer angrily tells them both to get out of there. And as the officer leaves, Eddie, jokingly calling Locke uncle, asks what the guns are all about. (laughs) Back on the island, Locke has built his sweat lodge inside the frame of Echo's church, and I love the irony of that. (laughs) Because it's just, it's two rather opposing religious views. Yes. Now, but before that, uh, Locke had asked
1: Charlie again to stand guard. And guard is spelled wrong uh, on on that sheet of paper there. Um, it's spelled right the first time. Because, like, uh, Locke asks him to stand guard prior to the flashback and then after the flashback, he says again. And it's spelled right before the flashback, but after... Not spelled right.
0: I believe it's G-A-U. Correct. The yep. first time, yeah. Um, he is mixing a brew inside a coconut as Charlie looks on. Charlie asks Locke where, what Locke is doing, and if he's taking drugs, especially pointing out Locke's past zero-tolerance policy, and then he doesn't want Locke to have to punch himself in the face repeatedly.
1: <laughs> Gets me every time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then as you said, he shows him the note again asking him to stand guard. Charlie obliges and gets in two good jokes about a magic hut and Locke devolving into a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> um Locke writes on the pad informing Charlie not to come in, and he like I don't remember if he high or if he underlines it or, you know, puts like an exclamation point, but he's just like driving the point home, like do not come in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Charlie agrees. A few moments later, inside the lodge, Locke is eating his strange brew and pours water onto hot stones. A hand grabs Locke's shoulder and the camera reveals, Boone! Ian Somerhalder is back! Yeah, with longer hair! Yeah! Yeah! Um, He says hello and tells John it's good to see him again. Uh, Locke wants to speak, even trying to whisper the words, I'm sorry, but Boone sarcastically responds that it's okay because he was a sacrifice the island demanded. (laughs) Uh, Locke tries to talk once more, but Boone tells him that when he actually has something worth saying, he'll be able to speak again. He says he's there to show John the way and bring the family back together before saying he wants to show him something, but Locke can't move, his legs don't work. Boone tells John he's going to need that, and we see a wheelchair. We then see the Vision Quest transitions before Boone is seen wheeling Locke around the Sydney Airport. Now that is which the s- we saw, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say it is the same place, right? Yep, uh, the Hawaii Convention Center. Yep. Yeah. Um, he tells John that someone there is in serious danger, and he's the only one who can save that person. We see Charlie, Claire, and the baby. Locke points to them, but Boone says that they'll be fine for a while. Fantastic piece of foreshadowing there. I mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, see Said, Jin, and Sun. Locke suspects them, but Boone says that Saeed has it handled. We see Hurley checking tickets and typing the numbers into the computer, but as a regular ticket agent, but also, like, in the hatch. So it's definitely, like, a weird dream thing, because that kind of thing happens in dreams, at least mine. You know, where, like, it's sort of like this, and it's sort of like that, but not, like, the same things, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like this and like that, but not at all like them, Like somehow like them at the same time.
1: <laughs> I see where you're going, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, but Hurley is not the one that needs saving, Uh, It's also not Desmond who's seen with some pretty ladies, and I believe the line is, he's helping himself. (laughs) Yep. Um, Locke sees Kate Sawyer and Jack and Ben is there as well. And Locke waves frantically. And now this is where I have to realize that I misspoke in the episode prior to this. I commented on what is arguably one of my favorite lines from the series. And I mentioned that it was referenced again in this episode. And I was wrong because the line that's in this episode is actually in the episode after this, not this episode um when sawyer says wipe the stars out of your eyes sweetheart so i do apologize to anyone who listened to that and was probably wondering what i was talking about i was as we talked about at the top of that episode we were all pretty tired and not feeling so great so i'm not saying it's an excuse i was wrong i apologize let's move on um but boone tells Locke he can't do anything for them yet he has to clean up his own mess his own mess first and we hear clean up your own mess repeated in the background as Boone stares at Locke. Suddenly, Locke is alone at the airport at the bottom of the escalators, which we were at, with Boone standing at the top. He tells John to come up before we see John dragging himself up the escalator. When he gets to the top, he puts his hand in a pool of blood and sees Echo's Jesus stick. Boone tells Locke to clean it up, And we then see Boone with his tattered shirt and cuts like in Locke's vision from Deus Ex Machina. And Boone tells Locke that they have him, and Locke doesn't have much time. And just as quickly as he went into this vision quest, Locke is back in the sweat lodge. He starts to leave before a giant polar bear face is seen, freaking him out as he stumbles out of the lodge, scared. Charlo. Yeah, what
1: I really love about oh, sorry, no, no, no go ahead. What I really love about the whole vision thing is that it it separated out everybody into their current situations. It started off with Charlie and Claire and Aaron. Obviously, they're together on the beach. They're okay. Then you had Saeed Jin and Son, who were obviously on the boat. Um, Hurley, who was at that time trekking through the jungle, coming back from the others. Uh, Desmond trekking through the jungle naked. Uh, Sawyer and Kate were in line kind of by themselves because they were in the cages. And then Ben and, and Jack, because they were together uh, under in the, in the Hydra station there. And I just kind
0: of uh, wish that... In, ter- like ju- in in reference to like the fact that they have the wipe the star out of your eyes, sweetheart line. And like the fact that they do that sort of stuff. And like, it's definitely some sort of like, it's not just him having a dream. Like this is for sure some sort of vision, whether it's uh, like the Island as you know, providing him a vision or man in black providing him a vision or whatever your theory on how the vision is manifested. It's definitely a vision, not just a regular dream. But I wish in terms of like the foreshadowing and whatever they could have slipped Juliet in there as well.
1: Yeah, especially because to kind of back up the th- your theory as well, is that Locke had no idea that these people well, you know, some of them were together and some weren't. So like Or even that the last ben thing, was with them. Exactly. exactly like uh, the last thing that Locke remembers, and actually luckily Lost helps me out with this a, a lot too. Um is let's see. You know, uh Jack Kate Sawyer, the last time he knew about them, he thought Hurley was with them, he thought Michael was with them and had no idea about Ben. Um Locke had no idea that Saeed Jin, and son left. He was in the swan. Uh, He had no idea exactly where Desmond was, obviously. Um, And then, uh, yeah, that Hurley was separated at all. So, like, Locke couldn't have really dreamt this stuff by himself because he didn't know the situations. So, yeah, it it could lead into your theory as well that this is a vision from whether it was the Man in Black, whether it was Jacob or whatever, the island. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I just just wish that going along with that, especially, like, because we said, like, he didn't know – that Ben was with them. And I think they, I think it would have been cool if they would have slipped, because then that would have been like a, like another weird thing where he could have said, like almost like we, again, like we know this theory, you know, like, Oh, he doesn't know that, that all of these people are in all of these groups and he doesn't know that Ben is with them. And so then it would have been another thing of like, Oh, he doesn't know who that blonde woman is. And to him, it could just be like another random person, but we See like we know who that is. Like mm-hmm. from the audience perspective. Um Charlie asks what happened as Locke grabs his knife. Charlie asks where he's going, and he responds that he's going to save Mr. Echo's life. A bit later, Locke and Charlie are walking through the jungle, and Locke finds Echo's cross in a bush. Charlie notices what it is, and Locke tell and Locke tells that Echo was dragged this way. Charlie is curious what dragged him before Locke tells him a polar bear. Charlie is confused because Sawyer killed the polar bear, but Locke quickly points out that there's easily more than one polar bear. And actually Locke knows this to be true because he's seen at least another, one other polar bear on this island.
1: Right. From the, uh, the special episode back from season one. And I thought back to something that you've discussed in a couple, a couple episodes, at least with me is that, uh, the sharing of information. So I think it would have been nice if, back in season one, after Walt, Michael, and Locke deal with the polar bear, that maybe they would have went back and said, Hey, heads up, guys, there is another polar bear out there. We didn't kill it or anything like that, but it's out there. And uh, they failed to do that. So now all of a sudden, seasons later, it's like Locke's like, Oh, yeah, we killed. Sorry, killed one, but there's another one out there. <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. See, that answers a question that nobody even knew they had. Whatever happened to the polar bear? And now we're getting our answer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, people, the show does answer questions. It's just ones you'd never thought to ask. (laughs) Exactly. Somebody in the writer's room was asking
1: about it, but they weren't in tune, I guess, with the audience and what they were asking. Well, no, the writers
0: were more focused on, oh, well, I think we should answer the question about Jack and his tattoos. (laughs) And
1: what happened with the other survivors? You know, there's like 40 other people out there.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> uh, continue on. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, as they keep walking, they come upon some blood, which has Locke tell Charlie that he's going to continue on alone. Charlie wants to take his chances, but Locke tells him that bad things happen to people who hang around with him. And I wrote the fact that Hurley said something similar to this once. Yes. Um, In flashback... John and Eddie are driving up a dirt road and a young boy opens a gate. Locke gives the boy a bag. It looks like candy to me.
1: I thought it was candy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, they drive in and park next to a large tent at uh, Eddie asks what's in the tent and Locke tells him that it's their sweat lodge before explaining the concept to him. You make sure it's hot and that you sweat and then you figure out your direction in life. Are you a hunter or a farmer? And he asks what John is. But they've come upon a large group of people gathered around a picnic table, sitting around uh, ready to eat. Locke introduces Mike and Jan, the leaders of the commune, to Eddie. They welcome him to eat with them and call him friend. They even get a good Geronimo Jackson reference as they are on Eddie's shirt. When he tells them it's his his dad's shirt, Mike responds that his dad has great musical taste. And I would say, and from from, yes, from what he we've heard
1: of Geronimo Jackson, yes, yeah, <laughs> the lady. Uh,
0: Mike then gets up and introduces Eddie to the group. And okay, so this part, I don't, I don't want to say I have an issue with it, but it's just something that I find a little humorous, I guess. Um, Go for it. <laughs> John says grace. Which includes uh, being—he th- says, you know, thank you, Lord, whatever—and he it includes being thankful for friends and family, for the rain because of the drought, uh, getting through his anger, and finding him a new, better family. The fact that in a prayer, in a non-biblical way, he uses the word hell—I find that humorous, but maybe it's just me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, too. I, I don't think Locke is the most religious character out there. So, uh, and I think Locke was also using it in a humorous way. Uh, yeah, not no, to I, try totally, to I totally get
0: it. It's just the fact that, like, he's speci- – and it's you know that it's – they're not it, – it's not just, like, uh, let's all – like, Thanksgiving, like, where, oh, let's all say what we're thankful for. Like, he – at the beginning, he did say, Lord, so, like, we know that, in theory, he's talking to some – deity and it's just I just find it kind of humorous (laughs) that he's just like I'm going to talk to God right now but like I'm going to throw and again if it had been like in a biblical way and again this is completely just me but if it it had been in like a biblical way of like you know thank you Lord and you know because we believe in you none of us are going to hell like that sort of thing fine but in a non-biblical way just using hell in a prayer just seems so weird to me (laughs) sure Um. Uh, Eddie looks at Locke in particular and says thank you upon uh, Locke ending the prayer. Back on the island, Charlie and Locke are still walking. They do a lot of walking in this episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of walking and a lot of dragging of people. One person in particular, I guess. Um, They're walking and they come upon a hole in the ground. Charlie deduces that this is the hatch, or as John says, what's left of it. They determine that it imploded.
1: Now I don't deal with many implosions, um, but to me, I I saw this hole and I'm like, that that's it. Like, yeah. I'm like, wasn't there so many like offshoot rooms and hallways and stuff? And yes. That's, that's all that's left. Like, where's everything? Like, well, isn't uh, it?
0: Isn't it that in later on we do see it's a like a way bigger hole though. Which episode you're referring to? In like later, it like at the beginning of season six.
1: That's what I was wondering, too, because it seems like it's a it's it still doesn't seem like it's big enough for the hatch in season six, but like it's bigger. I think it's bigger in season six than it is here.
0: Yeah, because doesn't it doesn't in season six, doesn't Sawyer have to, like, go down a rope? Uh, I don't know about I can't remember if he
1: goes down a rope or not, but I, it's almost like uh, uh, they do got to, like, really put some effort in getting up and down like it's yeah. uh yeah it's again it's it's bigger than it is here unless but this I still is feel like it's not as big as it should be
0: unless this is where like the physical hatch door was and that hole is in a. well according to
1: place. Lostpedia, it says the swan's main computer room appears to have been completely destroyed leaving a large crater in the ground with hallways leading away from it so are we just looking at uh the computer room I think that's what Lost P at least is getting at, but then I don't know. Shouldn't there be other craters elsewhere? I guess of yeah. the other rooms. Like, yeah, I, I don't,
0: I don't know. It doesn't yeah, add up. It was to like me. a whole underground system. Yep. And it just exactly. doesn't seem that it doesn't seem even remotely big enough. Right. Um. As they keep walking, they find a dead boar, and Locke informs Charlie that this is an active kill, meaning that the predator will be coming back for more, and Charlie tells him to just admit that it's a polar bear, and he does. (laughs) Upon hearing a growling sound, Locke yells for them to run. They both run and stop before hearing rustling from the bushes. Locke takes out his knife and throws it before hearing a whimper. They approach carefully, but Locke discovers Hurley, and Locke threw his knife into Hurley's canteen. Oh, so Hurley... lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hurley simply responds, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit later, Hurley is finishing telling Locke and Charlie the story of what happened to Jack, Kate, and Sawyer, including the reveal that Henry appears to be their leader. Locke is paying attention, but also still looking for Echo. He tells Hurley to go tell the rest of the survivors, just as he was told. Hurley is confused, and Charlie doesn't make it any better by telling Hurley the island told Locke he has to save Echo. As they begin to go back on their journey, Charlie tries to explain an active kill, but this makes Hurley more nervous of the presence of a bear. Um, Moments later, Charlie and Locke continue on their journey and find patches of polar bear fur. Locke tells Charlie to head this way Charlie tells a humorous anecdote about getting high watching BBC which is the Beeb the true meaning sorry out there Justin fans just saying the Beeb is the BBC not anything else you're gonna um, have
1: to explain that one what?
0: Be- like they, they refer to Justin Bieber as the Beeb or the Beebs oh he's the Beebs yeah he's not I think he's just Beebs not Beeb okay well no the Beeb is BBC <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, and he learned that polar bears are like the Einsteins of the bear community. Uh, Locke doesn't respond. He just keeps walking as they reach a cave entrance. In flashback, Locke and Eddie are walking together at the commune. As a pretty girl walks past, Eddie tries to inform Locke that the girl likes Locke. He says that the girl is half or that yeah, that the girl is half his age and Eddie tries to tell him that he should use that she just like everybody else there has daddy issues and he should take advantage Locke stops him and tells them that it isn't funny
1: I know somebody else that finds daddy things real funny no <laughs> continue on
0: <laughs> um, Eddie realizes he's crossed a line and tries apologizing they then grab baskets to go pick peaches Eddie asks why John never talks about his own dad, but he responds that there's nothing worth talking about. People carrying bags of fertilizer then pass by as Eddie asks questions about the greenhouse and implies he wants to go help, but Locke stops him and says they're fine and the two of them have orchard duty. Eddie then asks what's the big secret with the greenhouse because Locke and everyone else acts weird any time he asks about it or goes near it. Locke tells him that he's still new, a guest. Eddie says that he's been there six weeks. Eddie reminds John of the duffel bag of guns from when they first met and how he's not blind. John tries to reiterate that Eddie is asking too many questions when Mike and Jan have welcomed him, fed him, lodged him, etc. Eddie basically says how Mike and Jan are hypocrites who say prayers about being thankful for family, yet their family has too many secrets. He says that with all the fertilizer, he knows, what they're try- he knows that they're trying to blow something up and he wants in. Locke laughs at this and says that he'll talk to Mike and Jan. On the island, Locke is about to enter the cave. Charlie questions if Echo is really there and that they should get this over with quick. Locke tells him he's not going in. I'm sorry, let me take that. Locke tells him he's not going in, that Locke needs to do this alone. Charlie gets to use a variation of Locke's own line by telling him, you don't get to tell me what I can't do. hmm And I wonder if, like, I wonder, one, if the character of Locke realizes that he says that line quite a lot. Right. And then, like, I wonder if he recognizes that, like...
1: Hey, wait a minute. That's my line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: um They argue a bit more before Locke declares Charlie doesn't have a reason for doing this, as opposed to Locke's completely sound logic of, I'm supposed to do this.
1: <laughs> I had a vision of it.
0: Yeah, like that's just like, he's just like, you don't have a, a reason for doing this. And he's like, neither do you. Well, I'm supposed to. <laughs> like, come on.
1: <laughs> like, could Charlie have thrown that back at him? And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do it too. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> I, think I just, like
1: Echo. I feel like I'm supposed to help my friend.
0: I was helping Echo build the church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm closer with Echo than you are, John.
1: That's very true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Locke then puts mud on his face and arms. Charlie says about the possibility of not even seeing the bear, and Locke hopes that it won't smell them. And he puts a can of spray into his pocket and Charlie starts to make a bald joke. Locke gets it, but informs him that it's not for him. I love that good. part. That's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, he lights a torch that he's made and steps into the cave. Elsewhere on the Island, Hurley is heading back to the beach. He now hears rustling in the bushes. And I love how he calls out to what he thinks the bear is asking if it's the bear. Bear, is that you? <laughs> is that you? Oh my god. Oh my god. Only like, I, early. Wish, I wish Desmond would have been like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Raw. It is I. Bear. Rawr. <laughs> uh we then hear Desmond ask Hurley if he is alone. Upon confirming that he is, Desmond stands up in all his naked glory. <laughs> Hurley freaks out and tries to cover his eyes, shouting that he's not alone. <laughs> because I, I just love how he's just like, are you alone? Yeah. And then he gets up and he's like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. <laughs> if that's what's it, what it's going to make you to put that thing away, I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Desmond points out that the camp is close and asks Hurley to get him some clothes. Hurley asks where Desmond's clothes are and, Desmond says that he woke up in the jungle like this. Hurley asks if the hatch blew off his underwear. And then Desmond has a fantastic line. Well, just a fantastic moment. I think he starts getting closer to Hurley and he's a bit angrier. And he says that if Hurley really wants to make a discussion out of it, they can do that right now. (laughs) I know. Like, Desmond's just not, he's like, look, all right, let's just get some clothes on me. All right. Like, (laughs) like I'll stand here naked if you really want to argue with me, but I don't think that's what you want, buddy. Like
1: I've, I've been trekking through this jungle, you know, camp is close. I just want to be, you know, (laughs) I just want clothes. Yeah.
0: Uh, Hurley realizes his mistake, reaches into his bag, and finds Desmond a tie-dye shirt. Desmond realizes it's a bit large, but it'll have to do. Back in the cave, Locke is walking through and discovers a toy dump truck. I don't quite get that. I don't know if... (sighs) I don't know if that means that
1: the polar bear took a kid at some point or what you're right. Like it's never, I always thought that this would be kind of like the teddy bear in season two where we saw uh, them trekking through the jungle. The kids trekking through the jungle. We see the teddy bear, and then a couple episodes later, it's explained. I thought that this would be like that, where maybe it was from kids back from the Dharma days. We'd see a kid playing with a truck or something in a sandbox. I, I it's never explained. Heads up, but I, I, don't know. I don't. I don't think it's. In, I don't think it's important. I think it's just that uh, something's in this cave. Maybe that's kind of what it is. Something's in this cave, and. Uh, I think that's really about it.
0: I guess that's. I mean, there's because even it doesn't even lead into the flashback.
1: No, it has nothing to do with any any flashbacks. It's never seen on the island again. Uh, Like I said, I I almost think that it's like what the polar bear eating kids or something like that. Is that what we're trying to get at?
0: Maybe. I mean, that seems to be you know the only logical explanation. (laughs) Yeah. Um. In flashback, lock. Oh, excuse me. Hold on, let me take that again. In flashback, Locke is approaching the greenhouse, which is being guarded. He talks to a woman about Mike and Jan, and he's told that they were looking for him. Uh, this, I think this makes him slightly nervous, and he goes inside. Inside, we see huge amounts of marijuana being grown, and Mike and Jan are hurriedly putting, uh, boxing up files and bags of product. Mike asks Jan if they have the money, and she says that it's in the bag. He then asks about bank records and if they should sort out what's able to be traced, but she tells him there isn't time. Locke is confused as he comes up to them. They tell him that he screwed up. He is completely confused and asks if they're leaving and why. Jan gives Locke a file. He looks through it as he's told that Eddie is actually a cop, and he sees the picture as proof. Uh, Mike tells him that they do a lot of time for that much weed. Jan mentions that Eddie is fresh out of the academy. Locke says how this can't be true. He was just a hitchhiker. They tell him that he was waiting for John, and now he's been there for six weeks gathering evidence. John still doesn't believe it, but Mike tells him that he was played for a sucker. Locke tries to get them to stop, saying they don't even know what Eddie told, and that if he's still there, he's still trying to gather evidence. He hasn't even been in the greenhouse yet. He says it's not too late to protect them and that he can fix this. Mike asks how he's going to do that.
1: Yeah, I like this. So this is the whole tying into cleaning up the mess uh, thing that is happening on the island. And as we've seen in many episodes, they tie into flashbacks, usually the theme there. I also think it ties into Locke's overall theme, uh, flashback theme, I should say, of trying to find family or trying to find Usefulness, I guess, because he he mentions earlier in the episode how he's very happy to be at the commune now. He feels like he's got a family. It's better than you know what he's dealt with in the past. And now all of a sudden, it's about to get taken away from him. And he's I, like, "Crap! Like I don't want to lose this. I, I got to do whatever I, I feel like I got to do to keep this family."
0: It's. I totally get that, and it it absolutely plays into all of that. I just. Think it could have been executed better I don't know I'm what sure, it gonna, is yeah. But it's like we said at the top of the episode Like the flashbacks For some reason don't Play and I don't know Why because it, it ties- I don't know I think it's just such a random Part Of Locke's life like, I, like If you
1: would have asked me up until this episode Like hey do you ever think Locke Was in a marijuana growing commune Or anything like that I've been like no it doesn't I don't yeah, like, know when does this, this take character. place.
0: Like, we have no it, idea.
1: It has to take place obviously after the dad stuff, but before his paralysis, so more than four years at least. But like, yeah, like how did he get here? Like how did he find out about him? this this thing, and I, I don't know. Like it's, it just seems out of character for Locke.
0: Yeah, it does. It really does. And like you know, this would have been a good flashback for when like and I mean yeah they they referenced him taking drugs earlier in the episode with Charlie. But I think this could have been a good flashback for when he was dealing with all the Charlie stuff because like he's such a he has such an anti-drug stance when it comes to Charlie, but yet he was part of a marijuana growing thing. Yeah. You know, like I think it could have been a better flashback then fleshed out a little more with the story slightly changed as opposed you know cleaning up the mess even then it could have been cleaning up the mess because it could have been it would have been a different mess whereas in this case he's basically trying to keep up the grow you know versus with with charlie it would have been getting someone to stop doing drugs and cleaning up the, you know that wouldn't have been his mess but cleaning up a mess yeah okay yeah I see that too yeah I think it could have been a better flashback then but what do I know <laughs> I only host a lost podcast. <laughs> um, back in the cave, Locke comes across many bones of animals and humans. One human set even has a Dharma logo on the clothing piece.
1: A pearl logo, yep.
0: Yeah. Um, Locke looks and sees Echo barely conscious and they call to each other. At the other end of the cave, there's a noise and Echo starts to get dragged away. Locke grabs him and throws a rock at the bear's head. Locke then uses the spray can and torch to make a flamethrower, and the bear runs off. He drags Echo out of the cave. It was a badass moment, by the way. Very badass. Uh, He drags Echo out of the cave where Charlie is still waiting. Charlie asks the obvious questions. Is he okay? Is he alive? Um, Locke responds that he is alive, but they need to get out of there. In the jungle, Desmond and Hurley are walking, and Desmond has been explaining the final moments of the hatch. Hurley mentions the fail-safe key was convenient, and I assume that this was a fan complaint that they needed to address. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I always took it as was I would have assumed that that was like a fan complaint of like, oh, it just seems so easy that there just happened to be a fail safe key. But to me,
1: Desmond's answer also seems extremely obvious. I don't know what the hell was going to happen if I did that. Yeah. You know, like, look what happened when I did do it. Like, you know, exactly. Like I. Ex- yeah, right. I don't I don't know if it was fan complaint either, but. I, I, I can take Desmond's answer. I'm like, you're right. I, I could go with that. You didn't know what was going to happen.
0: Absolutely. That's a Hurley asks him why he never used the key before. Desmond says he didn't know what would happen. And when asked by Hurley, he posits that the key must have detonated the electromagnetic anomaly and made the hatch implode. Hurley comments how he didn't implode, meaning Desmond, and then asks if Desmond will turn into the Hulk or something, which causes Desmond to laugh and Hurley then asks if that is what has caused the blender noise and the purple sky. Desmond mentions that he missed that part. Hurley gets an attitude and says that FYI, the entire island vibrated, and Jack and Sawyer and Kate saw it before they had bags pulled over their heads. Desmond tells him not to worry because Locke is going after them. He said so in his speech, but Hurley doesn't remember any speech. He said all Locke was doing was saving Echo and killing bears. Desmond tries to play this off as still being shook up. Mm-hmm. And that's the first glimpse we see into what ends up being a huge story for the remainder of the series.
1: Yes, very huge uh, plot, plot line for uh, the rest of the series, yeah.
0: Um, elsewhere in the jungle, Echo is being dragged by Charlie and Locke. Uh, Locke says how he burned the bear good and it won't be coming after them. Charlie wants answers to what Locke saw in the spirit tent uh, now that they've survived this suicide mission. He tells him that he saw Boone and how he had to clean up his own mess. And Charlie says that even though Boone is dead, he agrees with him. Echo said they should have kept pushing the button. And he basically just keeps throwing it in John's face of like, if you just believed Echo, if you just listened to Echo, Echo knew, you know, and John says he knows that's what cleaning up his own mess means. And Charlie mentions how it sounds like John has had to clean up messes before. In flashback, Locke and Eddie are in the forest carrying rifles. Eddie asks about deer and if John talked to Mike and Jan yet. John says that he did, and they said to bring him by the greenhouse tonight. Eddie is happy, and Locke points for Eddie to look in another direction, and he shoulders his rifle while Eddie's back is turned. When Eddie turns back around, he sees John aiming the gun at him and questions him on this. Locke is emotional, and emotional and guns do not mix. Just saying. <laughs> yes. I'm a believer in guns, but I know that they do not exist. Or that, that does not, it doesn't work. Um, Locke asks if Eddie knew it would be him driving and if he was chosen specifically. Eddie tries to act like he doesn't know what John is talking about as he starts to raise his gun back at John and John tells him that he didn't load that one. Now I'm not an expert, but shouldn't Eddie have like checked that or known that or something being a cop? Like, Shouldn't he? Unless
1: have... he just believed that Locke wasn't smart enough to like, Locke wasn't on to him. He wasn't going to think about uh, unloading the gun. Like they, Eddie really thought that they were going to be out on a hunting trip and uh, didn't think anything fishy.
0: Um, Locke asks again, and Eddie confirms everything. He, he uh, Locke was specifically chosen because he was relatively new at the Commune, no criminal record, and a psych eval said that he would be amenable... Amenable? Amiable?
1: Uh, Yeah, something like that. I can't
0: remember which way it's pronounced, and then I... Instead of... Because I went back to find the spelling after the episode was over, and then I checked one of those pronunciation things, and it said that it could be pronounced either way, so now I don't remember. One of those. Yeah. Um, But basically, susceptible which isn't a much better word, but I know how to pronounce that one. Susceptible.
1: (laughs) subject to. Yeah,
0: uh, coercion. Locke is getting more upset, and Eddie asks him to lower the gun, telling him that it isn't personal. Locke then starts to tear up and wants to shoot, but can't. Eddie starts to back away. Locke tells him to stop, and he tells John that he's sorry, but he knows John won't shoot him. He's not a murderer. He's a good man, a farmer. And Locke responds that he was a hunter. And I think he's trying to convince himself more than Eddie. Yes. And Eddie tells John that he's going to leave. He does leave. And eventually Locke puts the gun down without firing a single shot. Back on the island, Charlie and Locke are still dragging Echo. They hear a stream and want to go get uh, get some water for Echo. Charlie goes and leaves Locke with Echo, Locke tells Echo that he's sorry that he didn't believe him and sorry he gave up his faith in the island. He wanted to protect their people, but they're captured now. Echo then tells him that he can still protect them, he can still save them. He tells John that he will find them because, after all, he is a hunter. Charlie comes back and Locke looks away from Echo and Charlie asks if Locke said something. Locke says Echo was awake, but then when he looks down, he's still unconscious. Locke is confused as Charlie suggests that they get Echo back to the camp. On the beach, Claire is doing laundry. Charlie and Locke drag Echo into the camp. Charlie gets Claire's attention and a few other people come over to help, including out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah, including Nikki and Paolo, who we see for the very first time. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> Not the last time, unfortunately. Uh although I have to say uh and this is just me personally I actually wrote up a little thing for a friend about their episode. I actually kind of like that episode when we get there. I don't know I don't remember who's or I don't know who's going to do that episode, but I did kind of like that episode. But I
1: and I, I talked about this before and I can't remember which episode's probably uh like 3 minutes or or whatever. Um where I like seeing different aspects of a story we've already seen or where like gaps are filled in or something. So Ah, uh, there were parts of that episode where it was like, okay, that's kind of cool, but overall, eh.
0: and it, what really stinks is like, I think that episode provided some decent insight, and then it it just was like, oh, this is their ending? Yes, um, like they were finally they were finally getting good, you know. Not Isn't okay. that how it
1: usually goes? Where it's yeah. like, hey, Anna Lucia's is having this giant breakthrough. Boom, gone. Yep. <laughs> Um, shannon's having this giant breakthrough i was Boom, just gonna gone. mention shannon yeah <laughs> that's like it was it became the thing where it was like if it's somebody's flashback and they're having some sort of breakthrough moment in the, either through their flashbacks or in the island get ready <laughs> like they're going to die yep.
0: um hurley asks if echo is alive nikki mentions needing jack uh, Locke and Charlie take Echo to a tent as Hurley proceeds to tell the rest of the camp that Jack isn't coming back. They've got. This is got where him. I have
1: a problem because I, and Nikki even says it too. She voices my opinion. It's like how long was Hurley waiting to give that little like well, knowledge?
0: You're right, and I I don't know how long Hurley was sitting in
1: camp. It doesn't say, but that's what I was
0: gonna say. Was like, I mean, yeah, okay, he got there back with Desmond like not that long ago, but like how long have Charlie and Locke been gone, and how long since they talked with Hurley and then Hurley was talking with Desmond, they finally got back to the camp while Locke and Charlie were getting echo and all that so like what is the time frame? like if has he been there for a few hours and didn't tell them, or has he been there for like twenty minutes and didn't tell them right I wish I
1: mean I it, it all appears. I mean, it's everything's still going on in daylight, so I would lean more towards at least hours, but not like a uh, full half a day or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like when exactly was Hurley planning on saying anything?
0: I mean, I. I, mean, I the little words. Um, the... Even if it was twenty minutes, so Hurley all
1: of a sudden walks back into camp. And, like, everybody's like, hey, Hurley, but, like, wait a minute, didn't you leave with other people? Where are they? That's
0: true, because, like, as soon as everybody saw Michael, they ran up to him and started asking him stuff. So why wouldn't they have run up to Hurley? But I would think that maybe it could have been a thing, whether he said it or it just became a thing of um, he looked around knowing Jack and Sawyer and Kate were gone. Saeed isn't there because he—I d- mean—he doesn't see Saeed, but he also didn't know that he was going on that little thing, and he knows that Locke is gone. Who else is a leader there? Like, you know what I mean? Who else is an A-team member at that camp right now? So maybe I mean, I guess he, he knows waiting. that
1: Locke and and Charlie will eventually come back. Well, he hopes they—you know—they come back and don't get killed by a bear. So maybe he was hoping that he'd be able to just have Locke shit at information, but like he didn't know when that was going to be.
0: No, but I, I think he might've just been waiting because like at least if he had Locke there, he could kind of, you know, say like, okay, so here's what's going on. Um, and then he could just kind of turn to Locke and be like, so what are we going to do versus he's there and it's him, Claire, Nikki, Paolo, presumably Rose and Bernard somewhere, a bunch of other random people that no one knows who they are. And then he would have just been like, okay, so, um, this happened and I don't have any other answers for you. I don't have a plan because I'm not a leader and blah, blah, blah.
1: Okay. So he was waiting for like a full, a full sort of, uh, analysis. And, uh, you know, like again, the, the plan part of it, I think he was so. hoping that, yeah, like, cause he didn't have the plan. So he wanted an team member for the plan part. Uh, I, I get it, but at the same time, yeah, it. It. I think it all depends on how
0: long he was there. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and even if Hurley would have said, "Well, I don't have a plan," I mean, they weren't going to kill Hurley for that or anything like that. But at least well, they no, would have what's, what's known the use the info. In,
0: what's but what's the use in worrying everybody else? I, 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 you gotta though. I mean, like here's what here's what happened. Like, I, I mean, maybe. Other
1: plans could have been attempted at. Now, you know, I mean, PT plans don't happen, but... Right, but as opposed to,
0: like, okay, so he gets there, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says, okay, everybody, so here's what's going on. Um, Jack, the guy who we all trust and we all look up to as our leader, was taken and basically taken hostage and is now under, you know, he's, he's taken hostage basically by the guy who we also didn't tell you we had tied up until it was finally revealed that we had him tied up. And then now that guy has Jack who is our leader Sawyer, who is fighting for second place as leader and Kate, who is Jack's right hand person. Um, so that's three of our top people were captured by the others who we've feared for 60 something days, almost 70 days now. Um, Locke is out in the jungle somewhere. I don't really see Saeed around here. Uh, I don't see Jin anywhere. Um, Even Charlie is gone. Desmond is naked. Um, But I just figured I would tell all of you guys that. So until Locke gets back or somebody else comes up with a plan, let's just all sit here on the beach and just worry for a while.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and maybe, yeah, maybe we just had to wait to see, or, you know, if, it, if only we knew how long he was at camp.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I just, I don't see the point in worrying everybody. That's just my, I guess, you know? yeah. Um, and then like you said, Nikki, and, uh, Nikki asks and, and Claire and Paolo asks, you know, specific questions and, uh, because like Paolo, I believe, even says, who's they? Like, who? what do you mean when you yeah. say they've taken him? Like, who do you think? They, like, gone? where have you been? Oh, wait, you haven't. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> haven't been. <laughs> you haven't been. But I know that
1: was a very, very bad question.
0: Yeah. Uh, Locke says that it's the others. They have Kate and Sawyer and Jack. When asked about Sun and Jin and Saeed, Locke says that he doesn't know what happened to them, but that he will find their friends. While Locke is giving his speech, Hurley is watching Desmond, who's standing at the shoreline throwing rocks into the ocean. Locke continues that he doesn't know how, but he will find everyone and bring them home. He says that their first priority is looking out for Mr. Echo. He then tells Nikki and Paolo to bring towels and water, and Claire to bring the first aid supplies. Charlie tells Hurley that it wasn't a bad speech from Locke. Hurley is confused and tells Charlie that he was just hit with a massive... Case of déjà vu. He looks at Desmond once again. Charlie doesn't understand and just asks Hurley to bring more supplies. Charlie continues staring at Desmond. Desmond, however, is looking out at the sea with a panicked look on his face. And that's my last note. hmm Um. So yes, okay. We've talked briefly about the Nikki and Paolo characters, and uh we, you know, obviously as season three goes on a little more, we will talk about them. Um, I am at some point, not sure with who, if it'll be several different people or what I am thinking, planning, hoping on doing the missing pieces, little mobisodes, things that, that they did. And we actually spoke about one of those in the previous episode that you were on two episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah. A
1: couple of those are pretty cool. Yeah. Count, count me in on, uh, on discussions on those. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, now, I don't know how much of the history you or anyone listening to this knows, but from what I understand, that is those kind of are the genesis of the Nikki and Paolo characters. So let me give a little bit of backstory for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, between seasons three and four, uh, on, I want to say it was Verizon, and then like a week yep. later it was on ABC's website, the yep. producers put out these little like clips little it was like a mini web series thing and now shows do that like all the time um like supplementary material like that but like they did these little short little clips uh there's uh one that is the missing scene from uh A Tale of Two Cities I believe there's one that kind of definitively t- it takes place in season 1 and it like definitively puts an end to the supposed love triangle between Jin and son and Michael,' cause...
1: uh no, it doesn't put an end to it. It actually uh it could confuse the uh viewer even more actually,
0: okay, um there's one about uh the dog kind of um with Christian. Uh, yep, there's there's yep. a bunch of there's a bunch of other other things in there. Yeah, they're basically
1: just they're, as you mentioned supplemental material that if you didn't have it life moves on. Um I don't know what it has to do with Nikki and Paolo
0: though. That's where I'm going. Oh, okay. So um <laughs> the original plan was that they were going to um use they, they were going to release these things they weren't going to be officially produced by ABC. They were just Uh, okay wait let me go back a little bit originally it was going to be and they released a clip for this at one of the comic cons where Hurley found a camera and he was going to document the time that they are all spending on this island and that's what these Mobisodes were going to be and then that you know, they they were never able to get all the contracts to work and everything, so they just abandoned that idea. Then they were going to do a concept where it was going to be these little mobisodes, little clips of things, where it was going to focus on people who weren't uh actors who weren't a part of the screen actors guild, so then they wouldn't have to pay them certain royalties and things like that. And but they were going to have them be a few characters who were supposed to be the background survivors who we'd never seen before and kind of how they would almost like like what happens in the exposé episode with Nikki and Paolo where they are in certain scenes but we never saw them before sort of thing or like maybe they happened upon something before the actual characters did or they can provide the answers to something or you know what I mean like little things like that that's what it was going to be but then of course uh, a lot of the guilds, the producers' guilds, the directors' guild, Screen Actors Guild, were like, "Um, yeah, no, you can't do that." And then eventually, it ended up being what it was. And it was actually—I don't know if you know this or if anybody else knows this—but Lost doing these mobisodes, and Battlestar Galactica did these little web series while the shows were on to kind of fill in between, like the gaps between seasons, or like a mid-season break when they would have like a really long break, they would put out these little things, and. They uh, arranged new contracts to have the official show writers work on them, the official actors, the official directors, the, the production company, ABC Studios for Lost, um, whatever NBC Universal was called at that time for Battlestar Galactica and all that sort of stuff. And because they wrote up these new contracts, which then got the writers residuals for such things, that was one of the main factors for the writers' strike. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that or if anybody else knew that, but yeah. Um, so that was actually one of the, so the Mobisodes were a huge factor in causing the writer's strike because other writers were like, well, how come they can get stuff like that and we can't. But so that's where, cause people kept saying about the characters of not characters of Nikki and Paolo, but the concept of like, Oh, there's like 30, 40 something other people what's going on with them And it's kind of like we started talking about this whole episode. People are like, oh, what's going on with them? And then they were going to do it, and then they incorporated the characters, and then people were like, oh, well, we don't want that. So kind of like how this is a flashback where it doesn't have anything to do with Locke's dad. Oh, we want to know other aspects of Locke's story that don't involve his dad. And then when we get them, we crap on them because they're not (laughs) so great episodes. So Nikki and Paolo are almost the same concept of like oh we want to know what's going on with the other survivors and then they introduce other survivors and we're like oh we don't care about these people who are they they're taking up screen time that jack could be on yeah and i don't know if
1: it was just maybe the characters themselves weren't that great i you know not really fans uh of nikki and paulo or how they just kind of all of a sudden were thrown into it i don't know i i again i didn't like it either and i i i get why people didn't like him
0: but so yeah, so that's how the. But Mobisodes... of course, it was something
1: that was demanded. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's just what I find funny
0: about it. But so that's almost the the genesis of the Nikki and Paolo characters. That's kind of where they where they the the original idea kind of came from. Gotcha. Um. All right. So, what does Lostpedia have for this episode, Jake?
1: Uh, let's see. During the, uh, vision quest, uh, a lot of noises we're used to hearing are included, like the security one that Ben uses makes the same beeping sound that the, uh, alert did in the hatch. Um, when Hurley is entering in the numbers, you can hear that, um, kind of, it's the smoke monster noise, but it's the same one that locks receipt printer from his
0: flashback. The ticka ticka noise. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's the same same noise there, and there was one other noise too. Uh, when Locke is dragging himself up the escalator, the same mechanical noise that's heard in Exodus Part Two, when Locke's being dragged by the jungle and the, uh, by the monster, that can be heard there. So a lot of uh, monster hatch noises that we, the viewer, have heard many a time. Um, There's some pretty good. uh, Well, I don't. I wouldn't say they're good deleted scenes, but uh, a couple deleted scenes uh, that were included in the DVD, of course. Uh, One of them is another flashback from Locke. It takes place after the last one, and it's a. uh, It has Eddie. He's in full police uniform now, and he's arresting uh, the commune, the people from the commune, and uh, Locke is actually watching this from behind some bushes uh, a distance away. And then he just runs away. So that's how Locke didn't get involved in any of that. Um, there is another scene too, because the official synopsis of this episode had a line that said, Claire is shocked to find Nikki and Paolo in Jack's tent." I've course, heard about
0: don't... this scene.
1: Yep, yep. It's uh, the the scene itself is uh, oh crap. It did have a name, but oh, introducing Nikki and Paolo, and it's them having sex in Jack's tent.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, that was supposed to be like the, you know, as opposed to at the end where uh, they just show up in this group of people like Claire was supposed to walk in on them having sex in Jack's tent. And that was supposed to be our introduction. Yes. Uh, Taking up screen time. And as I said moments ago, (laughs) literally screwing over Jack. (laughs)
1: Um, uh, (laughs) Kristen. Yeah, true. Kristen. Dos Santos? Does Santos from Eon Online?
0: Yes, I know uh, who that is.
1: Yep, yep. According to her, there was uh, supposed to be a scene where Charlie and Claire kiss, but the idea got scrapped, and uh, uh, whatever, because um, I don't care about those characters. So, other than that, oh, because this is something we've talked about in a couple episodes, the polar bear cave scene is not filmed on Oahu. It's actually filmed on the the Big Island of Hawaii.
0: Oh, the actual Hawaii island.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Uh, I did not know so that. So yeah,
1: I I didn't know that either, and I'm not sure why they had to uh, resort to there, but yeah. Um, also, if you're into cinematography, which you know I'm sure you are, Paul, but there is a a little section on the Lostpedia trivia in regards to how the uh, Vision Quest was filmed, and it, it's it got a lot of terms and things like that that even I'm not 100% sure of, and it's very, again, if you're into cinematography,
0: I'm sure you'd be very interested in it, but it... Uh, well, give us a for has, instance. I'm not saying read the whole thing, but give us like no, a for instance.
1: It, I guess it employs multiple blurry copies of an image overlaid in a montage, okay. and you get to see this technique also used when Calvin rescues Desmond. Yes, it's the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same sort of thing. Yeah, that's like uh. what
0: the fact. What what that means, uh, unless you you kind of figured it out based on the wording, when you layer certain things, if you move them slightly, it becomes very blurry. And so it gives you that cool, weird effect of, like, the person's here, they're on the left of your screen, but they're also on the right of your screen at the exact same moment, and it's the same exact image, just slightly moved over or whatever, so it gives you kind of that weird, blurry sort of thing. That's all that means.
1: Yeah, and then if uh if you read the the little section it also talks about the camera what they had to do with the camera, you know, stuff about shutter angles, exposure and stuff, something that Mike Gilman could probably simplify for us easily, but I cannot. So, uh yeah, if you're into it, I I would recommend reading it. Uh, all right. But that's all I got.
0: I think we made this work. Yeah, I I knew we would. I knew we would. I'm not saying I doubted us. I mean, we it's us. I mean, <laughs> it's us. It's us.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, we could
1: make Stranger in a Strange Land sound like quality.
0: And it's, uh, I'm, I mean, about that? I'll, I'll probably read that the same way I read the uh, Nikki and Paolo and We See Nikki and Paolo for the First Time. Yay. <laughs>
1: You're going to need who's, you might need the Brits for that one. They could
0: maybe, I bel- I'm. I, I think I have. Well, I'll tell you afterwards who I think I have down, and I don't know if it'll end up gotcha. working but because uh, I don't want to say it and then have it be wrong for the listeners. So, Sure. Um, but, yeah, if we don't have anything else, Jake, hit them with your social media. So they sure. Can, so you the- can
1: find me on Snapchat, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. My handle is Jake LCE. And then on Facebook, the name is Jacob Wolken. I'm following Clockshelves. I'm following Paul. I always uh, reblog this stuff. Maybe you'll find me on uh, some of the Lost uh, sites out there, like Lost Fans Unite. I'm on that sucker, so you can find me there. Um, But hit me up and uh, reach out to me on theories, on discussion about Lost. I'm all in.
0: Uh, and, of course, as always, you can follow Clock Shelves on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Clockshelves, all one word. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to us on SoundCloud if you're not an iTunes person. Um, and that is all I have. So, Jake, thank you once again for being on the show. Ooh, good to be here. And as always, I will end with the traditional thank you, Namaste, and good luck. Namaste. I might cut this part out because I'm probably gonna sound like an idiot. Isn't there a it's weight a- isn't there a weight discrepancy? Bullets, no I'm bullets. Not-
1: I'm not sure. Uh I've never handled that kind of gun before. Okay. That particular gun yeah. I'm
0: You're from Detroit, dude. I, I would have figured you <laughs> handled
1: all the guns. I've handled the nine millimeters, dude, not the rifles. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I'm jacking pools. I was gonna up. say,
0: I can't I can't picture you popping caps like
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the drive by days are long gone for me, but you know.
0: You're like you'd be like the whitest person in that gang, dude. <laughs>
1: yes yes uh, hello
0: there homies where are we going tonight
1: (laughs) i mean i don't know if you just heard but i said busting caps and voos or something like that yeah that was pretty pretty white there who are we rolling up on tonight